This week, I take a Ronin's journey 30 years into the past. And I decide whether or not it's worth it to smooch a poison ninja. I'm Kyle. And I'm Garrett. And we watch anime. Garrett, this week we discuss an actual movie that was inspired by Kurosawa and inspired later generations of anime titles since then. This is a movie that when I saw it gave me a sense of adventure, intrigue, and possibly my first encounter with nudity. We try to find out if it still keeps its edge after more than three decades. That's right, this week we tackle the action samurai period adventure known as Ninja Scroll. But before we can get what are new fans going to be expecting from this episode? Life's not good if your name is Kajero. Yeah, yeah she she's a... Uh, she goes sucks through to be some stuff. <laughs> she goes through some stuff. Yeah, absolutely. She goes through the hero's journey in the course of like 30 minutes of her life. And then <laughs> very, it's very harrowing. So uh, before we begin, we just want to thank everybody for listening to us on our host site, anchor.fm slash promo podcast, or really anywhere your podcast is found. Just make sure when you do, you go ahead and give us a five-star review. It really helps elevate our show up in the standings. Uh, but instead, you can also follow us on our social media. So Garrett, hit them with those handles. Absolutely. For those out there onto interwebs, you can follow us on Instagram at Wanwa Podcast. Or if you're still on Lord Elon's website, you can catch <laughs> us over on Twitter at Weeb underscore noob. We were going to change it to Elon Musk, but they already gave us a strike. So uh, <laughs> so, so, so today, Garrett, uh, we are talking about a movie again. Um, not that this wasn't a show. It eventually was at one point, but really what I wanted to talk about was the fame and inspiration that this movie this movie came out with you know inspiring movies like akira and Roroni kenshin and just like a lot of different things but it really took its inspiration from like old samurai films of its day mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. and that's the movie known as ninja scroll uh the okay. film came out in 1993 yes this is considered by many to be one of the most influential anime films of all times oh. um it had a series that came up after the film, but we're really focusing on what happens with the movie because the movie really does have like a beginning, a middle, and end, and you kind of like move on from there. Mm -hmm. uh, when I told you the name of the movie was Ninja Scroll, uh, what were your expectations going into this movie uh, before we started? Uh, absolutely something based in like the time period uh, in like uh, samurai era uh, Japan. You know, mm -hmm. um, there's definitely going to be shoguns. There's definitely going to be ninjas. There's definitely going to be a lot of running with this sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and there's no like Hagebuchi no Jutsu. They just like legit ninja, not fake, yep, absolutely. Oh, ninja. And there was also definitely going to be a fair amount of uh, mysticism. That was, I want to point out that is definitely something that when mm -hmm. I saw Ninja Scroll, I thought, all right, it's definitely going to be of a certain time era, but they're right. also going to have um, magic and mysticism mixed in. Right. And I think that is kind of the point, um, because when I first saw this movie, Garrett, I was just a youngin. This movie did come out in 1993. Mm -hmm. This was the time in which in order for you to watch anime, and this was like kind of pre when Toonami really stretched out to anime, I saw this, I think, on, on uh, MTV. Like, oh, really? Oh, so, yeah. 
So I was going to ask how you'd heard of this because clearly it, it's dated to a certain extent. And when you watch, if you watched it that young, I mean, did, did they play it at like midnight on MTV? Oh yeah, even later. Like this was at the time when like Liquid TV was still out, so you got to see like original Aeon Flux and like huh. uh, cartoons known as like like the Max about the guy that's like from the jungle beating up little black dude monsters. Like there was mm-hmm. some really weird stuff happening. And like if you stayed up even later, which as a kid I was kind of an insomniac. Um, still kind of am, but uh, it it, it really it, it, this this kind of stuff came on because they had to fill in the 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 cartoon need, but they wanted to make it still adult like they were going for. Um, mm. and so I watched it then, and I was shocked by this is like my first time seeing like hyper violence, which is which anime at this time was very well known for. Like the Akira was very well known for like the hyper violent, you know. Uh, right. Like I remember while Ninja Scroll Scroll was playing, I saw like people advertising the dvds for akira being like this is so so hardcore that they won't even allow it in the united states but we could send it to you for three installments of 9.95 like that kind of stuff right and so i remember being like really like people don't just get cut with swords they are sliced in half by and they become like blood melons that's like essentially what happens they (laughs) it's like fruit ninja but with real ninjas it's like ninja ninja (laughs) ninja ninja filled with watermelon seeds like that's exactly (laughs) what we got because it is violent it does not hold anything back. And no. um, and so I remember it really left an impression on me. For, and I would also say the reason why I also like this movie more than most is it had moments. Like it had its very specific moments that I go, oh my God, when I was a kid that I just so badly wanted to talk to you about. Okay, um, And we're going to get to them because they mainly happen in the beginning with our character Tessai, who does mm-hmm. most of them. But this, uh, it gets less hardcore as the movie goes on. But I just try to grab your attention. So let's... Let's start with what the movie is about, kind of set the scene, where we are, who we're talking about, and and how the movie kind of begins. Sure. So the movie starts focusing on our protagonist, uh, Kibagami Jubei. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a mercenary ninja. So if I'm not mistaken, he was uh, the part of a larger clan. I don't know if the clan was cut down or they were mm-hmm. lost in battle. But at this point, Jubei, as he mm-hmm. will be known henceforth, um, is sort of wandering around the countryside, uh, picking up jobs, kind of like a private mm-hmm. investigator or like a murder for hire, uh, whatever needs the whatever job needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also find out pretty quickly that he's also like really, really fair. And he he like takes into account what his clients can pay when he decides what to mm-hmm. charge them. Right. And he's uh, he's he's like he used to be a Ronin. So he used to be a wandering samurai but he's now a ninja ninja you know like mm. a, a wandering ninja um one thing that i like about this is that it, it like kind of first dispelled the notion of what a ninja actually is because you're never you're not safe for like maybe one character and that was intentional uh they're wearing normal clothes uh they're they're using normal things they don't they don't wear the black gear they don't look like ninja gaiden with their face covered they mm-hmm. mostly just look like normal japanese people who just happen to also throw ninja stars right. um and so i think that's kind of a key thing it was like it has that like period piece element of the Edo period, which is once we're back in Edo and, <laughs> and you know, the time of Samurai Champloo, like that kind of time, the, the, the clans are, you know, this is when the country was closed. Um, the, 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 you know, the, the emperor of the time closed off the country to weigh all the swords. And so everybody was kind of just like dealing with the new peacetime stuff, but you know, still hiring mercenaries, that kind of stuff. So right. That's kind of some groundwork that we're in with here. And we start with Jubei uh meeting some bandits on a bridge. And this kind of really sets the tone for the movie. Talk me through that first scene, Garrett. Sure. Uh so 
they he meets some bandits going across a bridge and are the bandits looking for a sword he they are trying to steal it from him but they're really just trying oh, to so he has it. the sword he has the sword but he wants but they want food or money pretty much anything they can get him and they're like that sword which is usually very expensive like katanas are not cheap only samurai really keep them right uh, we'll i think they that. refer to it at, at at one point the bandits are like it's worth 300 gold coins or something right. like that and so he he's like i'm just carrying this it's, it's like he's like samuel jackson in pulp fiction he's like i can't give you this case this case is not mine you know but you can take <laughs> everything from my wallet you know be cool right. be cool but let's be a bunch of fonzies be cool but no they yeah. aren't cool and they go yeah. and attack our samurai buddy what happens uh, he beats the living hell out of him. Uh, one him. one guy, he drop kicks so hard that he flies out of his clothes. <laughs> <laughs> so there's just like, like you know when like someone runs away from you in a cartoon and it's just like yeah. a smoke outline of him? Yeah. Well, this is just a clothes outline of where the guy used to be. And he's in his like samurai diaper. Like, uh, but he's like, but Garrett, he's a little, the... he's a little person. He was in a, like a taller person suit. Like you got that, right? Oh, oh yeah. It was he had like it was it was like the shoulder pads of Yeah, uh... yeah. He was he was like using like prosthetic everything. And then when he got kicked out of his clothes, he was actually half the size, but his head was a normal size. Right. And he, so, you know, that just kind of gives you an idea, like also that a lot of this movie is not just cyber violence, but like body horror is really big on this one, which mm-hmm. was another thing that inspired a lot of people, including Akira. That's why a lot of people like mention this when they bring about Akira, because Akira is literally all body horror, and I'm sure we'll talk about this late, uh, this movie in another time. Mm-hmm. But w- what we're learning is that this guy is not interested in fame or power. In fact, he wants to avoid conflict if it all means. He's really just trying to get his sword from point A to point B. That's Seems like he wants. takes his code pretty seriously. Exactly. He just wants to go where he needs to go. Um, right. And So is he transporting this sword, or is it yeah. his sword? He is transporting this sword for someone else who, a uh, smaller clan. Um, yep. So that's pretty much where we're at. So um, uh, once as we're passing by, though, we kind of go away from our samurai and we meet a fishy group of people, uh, you know, kind of t- that have kind of managed to screw over this village. What is kind of the threat that has been brought up to the to the dining so a storm rolls through right in the evening. Right. Um, and I believe we witness or someone witnesses these like dark riders like coming in. Uh, but the long and short of it is we open up in uh, on a scene in this village where this guy's walking up and he's like, hey, hey, hey David. I'm, it's not David, but I don't remember the guy's name. Hey, David, David what, ha- Maru. What, what, what happened to your roof? He's like, oh, man, the, the roof blew off last night. I got to fix it. And then the wife went into uh, labor. What is that, your seventh kid? No, it's my ninth. Oh, man, you must really love her. They dedicate time to this conversation that you'll need to know nothing about after. Right, right, right. (laughs) But uh, a girl from a local village starts walking up and she's doing her best Undertaker impersonation with her eyes rolling (laughs) in the back of her head. Yeah. And they're like, hey, what is up, village neighbor girl? And Mm -hmm. there's this... um, there's this, I want to call him a creature, but there's this baddie hiding in the bushes who's sort of ventriloquist, uh, using ventriloquy uh, on her. And she's like, the local village, everyone dead, the plague. And then she yeah. like passes out because she was she was dead in the first place. She was being animated. She was basically puppeted because this ninja clan wants, they're kind of like a, a long way short, the short, making a short version long. They're kind of Scooby doing the situation. 
Yeah. They're tr- the, the long and short is they want to get into this gold mine and keep people away from it. So this like evil member of the like governing party, uh, the Shadow the Shogun. Yeah, the Shadow Shogun can take over this gold mine. And, in order and to by do that, doing that, by having all the gold, they have all the power. Uh, and they and can they get all the respect. The, overthrow the legitimate government. So they get money, power, respect, as little Kim would mention, so <laughs> they can take over uh, Japan. And honestly, this is like honestly where uh, Japan was kind of heading this way because the emperor wasn't. So you had kind of two ruling parties in Japan at the time. The first was the emperor, who was this kind of figurehead, kind of like the monarchy in England now. Mm-hmm. They just let him be the emperor. Like there's still an emperor in Japan now. Did you know that? Did you know what his name is? No one really I, talks about him. He's just I, kind of more I, of a ceremonial thing. I did know that. And I actually think he's quite young. He the his his dad abdicated like six years ago. Yeah. And he was like 98 when it happened. So this <laughs> we're in the Akihiko. Uh because it was Morimoto was the guy that you know did all the war crimes. Then and the was, cooking. <laughs> and the cooking. <laughs> then it was Akihito, which was the the dad that was that pretty much what did the the Queen Elizabeth thing of like let's just forget about the war crimes. I'm just gonna do the waving. I'm like, I'm not really gonna do any emperor stuff. Just gonna hang out here and wave my hand. And then now his son has taken over. Uh, after the guy was way too old to do it, a la England. So all right, right. he different. he's he's not that young. Uh, no. Naruhito is sixty two. I I thought they had like a boy emperor or something. No, no. But the thing is, is his dad was very old when yes. he, when he left. He abdicated his throne very young. So. Long story. This short, is I- literally just not to like go down the side path too much. Literally, like England, where their new king yeah. is seventy years old exactly. because his mother just wouldn't die. Wouldn't die. Same thing here. So at that time in the Edo period, there was an emperor there, but really, who controlled everything was the shogunate, and that was literally the army. It was the person who managed and led the army, the samurai of the group and that person was called the shogun and okay. that's who they talk about this was uh uh took uh took a uh, oh my god i can't believe i mixed up but basically the shogun of the air the guy that closed the country was um uh hideyoshi was 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 that guy and okay. so what they're trying to say is if you can get enough money you can get a bigger army than the actual governing party that's not the actual emperor so that's kind of like the long and short of the whole situation at the time and so you get this kind of like bad guy like rogues gallery which i liked about the movie to set it up like it was setting it up like if you were going to get through this movie you have to kind of go through these like eight bosses is how they kind of set it up and for a kid that's really all you need like this right is- it gives you a nice like sequential right first i do this and then i do yes. this it's very mega man right like i gotta get metal man get his buzz saws you know then i gotta gack you know flame man you know then i gotta like, there's an order to this stuff and that's what i really liked about it uh, right. But then we kind of transition and we see uh, another ninja clan show up and they're kind of talking about, oh, well, it looks like in the daimyo, who's like the leader of that area, the feudal lord in that area goes, oh, just see what's going on. I, I doubt that they're actually sick because there's no way that they can make someone that sick that quickly just by walking by. Right. And so he sends his best ninjas out. But then we meet another protagonist named Kagero, who you said has a really bad go of it in the next like couple days after this. <laughs> so yes. Who is, who is she? Who's Kagero? 
Um, so they send out uh, their best crew. I think it was uh, 20. And they, yeah. they go out in two different groups, uh, two 10-person groups, approximately. Um, and one attacks from the – one approaches from one angle, one approaches from another. Um, and as they're getting ready to go, uh, Kagero comes in, and she's a female – uh, who apparently has other duties. I don't know what they are, but those so don't need to be done right now because that person isn't around. And she's like, I'm a ninja. I'm coming with you. And the leader, whose name escapes me, mm-hmm. uh, um, was it Kuni? No, who was it? She was a Kunoichi. So what's funny No, no, about- okay. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So the, I'll tell you Koga why it doesn't plan. matter. Because he's Koga not around plan. for long. Really, that's true. They're part of the Koga clan, which was an actual clan in the time. But what was interesting is that he essentially gave her like, the Edo period version of go back to the kitchen because she's what's a, she's a poison taster. So her job is to eat all the food prior to the daimyo so that like the daimyo doesn't get poisoned by. Oh, that's, that's her deal. That's right. That's right. Yep. So that's right. She is made of poison. And so she tastes the poison to make sure everyone else is protected. Right. Got it. So basically you do your thing. You you go eat other food so that doesn't kill people. Like that's her job. Go back to the kitchen, like lady ninja. Like that's what they're basically saying to her. So they go out and they're hanging out and it's quiet and they're waiting to rendezvous with the other group, uh, Kagero, she and her her crew of people. And this one guy's like, oh, I'll check it out. And he goes over there and he finds the other 10 ninjas absolutely slaughtered, cut in half, laying on the ground because they're like flying through the trees. That's how ninjas get around. They mm-hmm. they don't use the ground. They dance through the trees. They, they, and... they crouch a tiger, a hidden dragon everywhere. Right. And as he's there, um, this metal wire comes around his throat, lifts him up into the air, strangles him, and electrocutes him. And he is he manages to get out a yell, which alerts the other people, uh, which alerts Kagero and her crew of ninja. And they uh, they go to seek it out, and it gets bloody real fast right. because they run into a dude who's launching this double diamond ended blade uh that has like boomerang capabilities right, right. and it is cutting through chi- trees it is slicing men in half uh mm. people are ducking and dodging uh he ends up they find his location is behind a tree so they throw an approximately 3295 yeah. ninja stars an absurd amount of ninja stars can you, you imagine how ma- how big the bag is that has to like hold all these <laughs> yeah, ninja stars like, and how and the one like guy carrying people. that can't clank through the woods <laughs> anyway so I thought the, the same thing. I was like, that is way too many ninja stars to throw at one person. Right. So the tree falls apart and it reveals the baddie who is Michael Chiklis as the thing from Fantastic Four. <laughs> he's rock. He's got, he's a rock man and he's hard in more ways than one. Uh, <laughs> and he, yeah, he's, he's the, he's kind of our first boss that we meet. His name is Tessai. And he just cuts through the entire Kogan ninja clan. Like nobody's business. Absolutely. And- and the final battle is down to Tasai with uh, Kagero uh, and her her kind of boss. Like, but he's clearly the leader of the of, mm-hmm. of the group. Um, and, and they put up the good fight for I don't know, maybe a minute, a minute and a half. And eventually, Tasai catches the boss between with by both of his arms, and he tells Kagero, "Run, run, run!" Uh, Tasai rips his arms off, um, and and she she vacates, uh, and she. But but not before Tessai drinks the blood out of the arm stump like it is a Capri Sun. That is true. Like, and he's like looking at the camera like, 
That is the. You can remember, I'm watching this and I'm like nine. That is the Ecto O positive cooler. Like I, I'm like a small child when this happens. When I see yes. this movie, yes. I'm like, oh, and it's God. just getting started. It just got started, and so Tasai gets captures Kagero, and he mm-hmm. brings her to. Um, so I'm gonna say, uh, trigger warning for those that do not. We will be mentioning very briefly a scene regarding sexual assault, the R word, and I will also preface by saying that uh, sexual assault is not funny. However, the way this scene goes about, there are aspects of it that you're just like, what? <laughs> it is silly in many cases. And so we'll mm-hmm. be talking about it in that way. But and no way shape form is sexual assault funny. However, the way that they did this scene made me chuckle a little bit. So go ahead, Garrett. What how does how does this scene go ahead with Tessai and Kagero as they're going ahead? So go ahead. Right. So uh Tessai uh chases down uh Kagero uh mm-hmm. and captures her. Mm-hmm. Uh, knocks her over the head, uh, and he brings her back to his uh, his little hut, mm-hmm. uh, and he demorphs. So, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to being Michael Chiklis, the thing, um, he's still uh, he's just Michael Chiklis, the commish. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's about three times the size of a regular man and very jacked. And Kagero is still unconscious, and he uh, proceeds to. Uh, assault her by treating her like a human lollipop. He Literally. treats her like like mango from SNL treats an apple, just like rotating a body in his mouth like she's a corn on the yes. Like, and, and he's like interested in in like foreplay in that he's like uh, maybe some breast play, but he he puts her entire breast into his mouth. He's like, oh <laughs> yeah, he's like he's like <laughs> he's very much enjoying because you got to imagine. Tessai is maybe six times the size of Kagero. So in his mind, he's also like, I'm way too big for this woman. So I'm going to try to see how much of her I can fit in my mouth. Yeah, I mean, that that's what we do as kids, right? Mouth play, just put things in our mouth. And you know, it's funny, like, if this is my first introduction to, like, nudity and sex, I'm like, is this how it works? <laughs> you just kind of, like, stick things in your mouth. And just high, high school Kyle was like, but damn it, Tessai, you betrayed me. Yeah. <laughs> they told me that I could just I could just grab her by her ankles and suckle on the breast. That's all I have to do, right? <laughs> uh, so basically, but, yeah, yeah. So then, while, then while, what happens? While this assault is going on, some dude pops up in the corner. Guess what? It's it's our original protagonist. You forget Jube. he's there. You forget he's there the whole time because it's been twenty minutes without our protagonist. Yeah, and and he's just like kneeling, and uh, he's like, "Hey, man, what's the way to Kalamazoo <laughs> or whatever town?" He's like, "Yeah, I took a wrong turn at Albuquerque." <laughs> <laughs> And, dark, and, like, uh, and because, you know, Tasai is busy, he's like, get out of here, punk, before I kill you. I got stuff to do. Really, really bad stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, Jubei then moves closer and starts kneeling right next to him while he's on the ground. And he's like, no, 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 but really, I got turned around at Albuquerque. How do I find my way to Kalamazoo? And like, <laughs> and so eventually, like, a fight ensues. Um, uh, Kagero has uh, somewhat regained consciousness and she has a blade in her sleeve and she's able to stab um, Tessai in the eye um, and and they make a quick break for it. And as Tessai exits the cabin and he's going to chase him down, uh, one of the other baddies is like, don't do it. You know, their their time will come. Save your energy for the mission at hand. Right. Yeah. And so Tessai, our first boss, 
Uh, and then we get to another scene that is just burned into my memory. And that is Kagero's like, I have to tell the daimyo this very important information. Uh, you know, everybody... Oh, that's right. The daimyo is the head of her clan who sent her on the, the mission area. to gather info. So basically, she serves him. That's his her job. Her She is loyal only to this man. And she's like, I have to tell the daimyo what's going on so he can save everybody mm-hmm. from everything. But the daimyo is busy. <laughs> and and this, this is a scene that stuck with me so much as a kid. So walk us through what he's doing in that point. So she goes to the door of the daimyo's um, home or apartment or or, or shack, whatever, yeah. uh, gently opens the door and kneels without entering um, to speak to him from the entrance. Mm-hmm. And uh, the daimyo has a girl face down, ass up. <laughs> and, and That's what the daimyo likes to do, you know what I'm he, saying? The daimyo is doing it Shogun doggy style. <laughs> Uh, and and when when Kagero gives her report, she can kind of hear what's going on, and he stops. He's like, "But wait, a little more detail." And then he and she explains. And then he gives her instruction, and then he goes right back to what he's doing. <laughs> he barely stops his pumping in order to hear this very important, deadly information. There are eight psycho ninjas, one of which is made out of stone, who can kill us all. And he's like, "Nope, can't stop my pumps." Can't stop with pumps. And I remember this was like sticking to me once again as a kid being like, oh my God, like he wasn't even caring. He was just going to bone zone on this lady. Um, he's probably a concubine of some sort because those are possible at the time. And mm-hmm. uh, we we get to um back to our guy, and she's as she's leaving, she goes, Thanks for everything. Oh, by the way, where you're going is that way. Kalamazoo is that way. And so he ends up going to Kalamazoo, but so does Tessai. And we get kind of our where this movie kind of ends up being, which is a whole bunch of boss fights with Jubei and the rest of the demons. He wants nothing to do with them, but they keep coming after him. And mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah, the fight is pretty cool. Um, and so what we find is that he they're fighting, and it's a really cool boss fight. Uh, Tessa is really cool, but what you find out is that Kagero actually poisoned him while he was suckling on her. Um, right, because remember, she is poison. That's why she's, she's a poison taster. So she gave him a little bit of that fugu juice, so to speak. Yeah. And and it broke his scales off and, and Jubei was able to, you know, slice off his fingers. And then on the time the boomerang, he didn't he didn't have enough fingers to catch the boomerang. <laughs> and so it just let him basically like hit him square in the tomahawk style right in the middle of the forehead. You know what? Like, that didn't oh. dawn on me until right now that the reason why he didn't catch it is because he reached to catch it and he didn't have fingers. Yeah. And then like and just like that like perfect like slide motion to like he goes down yeah. his blade head first. Oh man, yeah. it was and it and Garrett. But but it was funny. sort of like the introduction. One thing that kind of bothered me about it is like this is the first baddie mm-hmm. and he's almost insurmountable. Yes. Like where do you go? It, at least like when we watch like One Piece uh, technically, like the the billions get harder with number, like right. technically, technically. Uh, but but Tessai was pretty almost impossible out the gate. Yeah, and I think that was what it was trying to set up was the baseline, right? Like these are all the ninjas. This is what they do. Uh, they're not good people. None of them are good people, and they're all really pretty awful. So Tessai was kind of like the baseline. Like this is the guy you kind of have to like. The guy has to be as good as this person. And so, once again, Jubei's just trying to get to where he needs to go so he can finish this thing and get some money. Mm-hmm. And he goes to just take a break at the hot tub, hot springs. Yep. And he gets assaulted again by a snake lady who uh, 
Right. He sees a woman sort of sitting on a rock across the way and she's covered in snake tattoos. Which, by the uh, way, is normal for the time. People did share baths at this point of Japan. Like, sure. There sure. was no prudeness on it, like a male. There was no okay. man, female what version of it. So oh, oh, and by the way, before we get into this, uh, the whole time Kagero is telling Jubei, I owe you nothing and you're not my friend. Right, exactly. But it's that way. Where you're going is that way, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but so this snake woman uh, puts out some sort of mojo and Jubei realizes that he's he's being enchanted mm-hmm. and he starts to see the tattoos come alive and mm-hmm. and snakes are coming out of this this uh, baddie. And I really mean from everywhere. Seriously, snakes are everywhere. Yeah, and and they they're they're coming out and they're going to attack him. Uh, and ultimately, uh, Kagero shows up again because mm-hmm. she owed a debt, and she distracts a snake lady. And I I think she gets, oh that's right, she gets a sword up against her throat, mm-hmm. and the snake lady sends a snake out of her vagina. To mm-hmm. bite the unsuspecting Correct. Kagero, but mm-hmm. Kagero's like, "Nana, nana, nana, I'm made of poison. Can't yeah. kill me." Yeah, seriously. And uh, no, but this, and, and that was so... a, that was the second time around. By the way, the first time the snake lady left by leaving like a snake skin, so she like kind of like deflated and she became like a Macy's Day balloon. Oh yes, uh, I'm so sorry. Yes, and and then she, we she meet... was able to yeah. she's able to like uh, inhabit a, a a skin or a body. Yeah. Yes. And I'm then, sorry, I kind of messed that up. So how did he get out of it the first time? It was he meets oh, the that, next character we meet. That's right. Sorry Dakuan. for those at home. That, that's okay. I hope people watch this movie. It's great. So there's a guy named Dakuan who is your like classic like Paime, like, eh, like strokes a very thin white chin beard. Very master splintery. Very, very master. Yeah, yeah master splinter. Leonardo. And, <laughs> and he has like the giant, you know, the rice peddler hat, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's like... Hey, uh, be really great if you kind of just keep killing those guys. They're called the Eight Demons of Daimon of Kimon, and uh, I'm gonna, I'll pay you, man. I, your, what was your mission for? Three hundred gold pieces. I'll raise it to four hundred for you to stop your mission and do this instead. Five hundred pieces. He's like, nah, I already re- agreed to this thing. He's like, okay, I really didn't want to have to do this, but by the way, I poisoned you before, so uh, now you have to do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> So He's so like, he, okay, he threw yeah. he threw a little poison star into his shoulder, which was yeah. there you go. When Jubei was in the pool and he was being bewitched by the snake lady, um Daquan uh throws a a, <laughs> a poisoned blade into his shoulder, which sort of like shakes him out of the the enchantment. Yeah. yeah. And uh so that that's how that breaks up. But by the way, his name is Daquan. He's not Daquan from from Riverside. Jordan Peele might as well draft him in the (laughs) Jordan Peele can draft him in their football draft. Daquan Ninja Scroll. Daquan Ninja Scroll. Florida State. (laughs) (laughs) So he's like, okay, I guess I have to do this. Once again, Jubei does not want to be there. And we kind of like learn about the, 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 the the, uh, Kimon characters. Um, so let's go through the, the, the bosses that we'll meet over the course of the movie. Cause I don't go too crazy into what happens is really, it's like really cool boss fight, really theatrical. And then he, he defeats them and moves on. But so we got, uh, we had Tessai who was our rock man, who his thing is that he could turn to rocks. And then we met snake lady. I don't even know half their names, just know what they do. <laughs> um, and then we got string man who also wants to sleep with the main boss. Um, and his thing is that he has strings. That's he's the one that did the ventriloquist stuff. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and he also was like, that's how they communicate, like kind of like soup cans against string, but like you're the you're the soup can kind of thing. I don't. Well, know. yeah, you put it in your mouth and you can like yeah, and, you're, and you go like kind of. You know, he they do they do the basic thing that like uh immigrant taxi drivers from new york do when they use the the microphone in their head and their in their uh in their headphones they yeah. put it right in their mouth and they go okay man let's talk like this for four hours <laughs> and that's how they communicate and so that's his job mm-hmm. then we got uh bee man who has bees yep that's his thing but like not just any kind of bees do you remember that what his deal is besides just being bee man well I'll tell you, they weirded me the hell out because the yeah. hive is in his back. Yeah. That's the body horror, man. He had anybody who has that fear of like holes. I don't know what it's called. Um, That that would this would be your worst nightmare. Right. Like, so like imagine he's Quasimodo, but his hump is a beehive. And you see all the holes, man. Ooh. Ooh. So then we got right. uh, our we have um our shadow guy whose thing is his shadow. Mm-hmm. Um, and he comes in and out of shadows and he kind of just goes like peekaboo and throws something out of a shadow. Oh, he also shadow guy, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, has like that toy. I loved as a kid. Do you remember the Terminator claw hand? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 You, so it was, it was, it was gray and you could, you, you sort of put it uh, over your wrist and over your hand and it had levers inside of it. And it kind of like gave you like Terminator uh, grip fingers and whatnot. Mm-hmm. He basically has that and he, it's attached to a chain and he mm-hmm. can use it to like choke your ass out. Yeah. And he does it from, from like peekaboo strategy. Then yep. we got Zakuro who is, who has two roles. Her first thing is that she is really good with gunpowder um and in fact if you thought kagero had it bad her boss who got his arms ripped off then gets puppeted and filled with gunpowder and then gets sent out to blow up someone <laughs> so like poor guy man he got really got really messed up pretty hardcore but that's her thing but her second job is to tell the string guy that their boss is bisexual and that he probably has a chance <laughs> like, every opportunity brings it up it's like okay. and, the, and the bad guy is genma yeah, Genma is our, and his thing is that he's immortal, and uh, he can't be killed. Uh, and but it was really funny. She's basically like, "All right, I got your order. Thanks for everything. By the way, are you going to try to have sex with our boss? Because you know he likes guys too." Bye. And she like, <laughs> it's like she does it like three times in this movie. Um, well, well, she gets really mad because she gets uh, she gets uh, pushed off by this guy. She makes a pass yeah. at him, and he's just like, "No, I like, I like, I like some Genma peen." Uh, and then we also meet uh, our blind. There's like a blind swordsman who's kind of like normal for everybody else. <laughs> like he's he also, also. I mean, granted, I was watching the movie at an accelerated speed. Yeah, he's around for approximately two and a half minutes. Yeah, he's just there to like make a very difficult like sword. But his only thing is that he's blind, and that he's also really good at, at swords sword fighting. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's not so bad. And uh, yeah, so those are our. Um, yeah, so those are our ninja clan, and you kind of have to go through it as we we progress. One thing I wanted to talk about was the uh, Kurosawa influences because I think that's really important for us to kind of bring up. Because much like uh, Fist of the North Star, also are, takes- are you able to describe to me and the folks at home what is Kurosawa other than the fact that he makes mad films? <laughs> yes, Akira Kurosawa is probably one of the most famous Japanese filmmakers, and for the most part, has made uh films that are, resonate with everybody 
Like mm-hmm. his films are so famous and he's very famous for period dramas based on samurai. Okay. Um, all of his films were in black and white because uh, he used a lot of blood effects yep. and he thought that it would look fake. So with the black and white, he could hide the fakeness of the blood that he was using uh, for these movies. And another thing he was super famous for actually came by accident. Um, and that was one of his first movies named Yojimbo, um, where the this the samurai has this final fight. And usually with samurai fights in those times, it was one guy versus one guy. They draw, they pass, one guy falls over. That's how mm-hmm. you do it. But what was supposed to happen was like a little blood was supposed to come out and he was supposed to like fall. But the prosthetic blood gusher, so to speak, that they had failed like superbly. Mm-hmm. And instead of this like little trickle and him falling over happened, he just stands there and this like water balloon of blood flies out of his shirt. <laughs> and that's why every time you see a samurai fight, the blood comes out and that like <laughs> drains completely. The guy gets exsanguinated in like three seconds and then falls over. That's because of that one mistake in that one movie, which was a famous Kurosawa film. So hmm. I love that little factoid because it's just so. It was a mistake then, but it's so influential now. This like this idea of like some guy just stands still, and then all of a sudden all of his blood leaves the body like three yeah. seconds, and then he flops. So, and that's what you see here too is like people don't just like bleed; they explode like giant water balloons full of blood, and it's that kind of. That's one of the influences he loves. Stories about wandering samurai was one of some of his famous movies. So, uh, Seven Samurai is another one of his favorite um, things. He liked. Edo period pieces because it was about the time in which samurai had no place and like what their stories were after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, so really good. So like that's I, I want to make sure that got taken up because you and I talk about influences all the time. Sure. You know we talk about how like fairy tale was was influenced by One Piece. One Piece was influenced by this, and like they kind of go down the line. The starting point for most things is Kurosawa, mm. and he's a very very famous director in that regard. Um, and that's what you saw in here was just like this, like Kurosawa based uh, film, which I really appreciated watching. Now, um, Kurosawa was live action, but this yes, is like still yes. influenced by that. Correct. Absolutely. And so and then what happened was, was then this movie came along, did the Kurosawa film again, the wandering samurai, the explosive hyper violence, mm-hmm. the like stylized fight scenes. But then he added the weird things that only anime can do beehive backs <laughs> snakes that bite you come that come out of your vagina right and then he cut married those two things which then got translated to other great movies such as akira which was sci-fi cyberpunk mixed with hyper violence and body horror so you kind of see where the line goes from there and so i just want to make sure that I can take place because because just like every anime brings up fist of the north star a lot of samurai movie a samurai anime starts at, at ninja scroll so okay so that's cool. our lesson for the day so do you well, think... I mean, 1993 that's uh that's a there's a long line of people that have grown up watching that and then yep. now even a generation where their elders are like you have to go back and watch that yeah this is like the snooty uh anime thing for like old timers like me who, who've been watching <laughs> it for a long time like oh oh you think bleach is great you know or like you think that's classic rock I want you to listen to like the 60s hippie crap that I used to watch. Like that's what Ninja Scroll is right. for like millennials and like Gen Xers. Like we remember Ninja Scroll because you couldn't find it. 
It was yeah. so violent, way more violent at the time. It actually so showed like really heavy stuff like sexual assault and stuff like that. And it was a period piece at the time when you weren't watching a lot of Japanese stuff. Like, heck, most Japanese stuff was robots like Voltron. Yep. Or it was Fist of the North Star, which is like Apocalypse, you know, Mad Max style, you know, that kind of stuff. So it was really cool for the time when I said it. So let's get back to the actual story. Jubei, our man, he's poisoned. He's got to get through the group. Uh, Let's walk through a few of the fights. And and we learn of the relationship with Kagero and Jubei start to grow as we go along. Mm -hmm. We also learn that Jubei doesn't tell Kagero that he's poisoned. That's why he's fighting. But then Kagero eventually does learn that he's poisoned because, you know, our old man, Dakwan, 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 Ninja Scroll, Florida State, decides to spill the beans out. And we learn that in order for him to heal the poison, he has to do the ninja lady. Well, you the only way to fight poison with is, is with poison is the logic there? Yeah, I, I I think that's... Or she is so... She is so immune to poison that I guess her vaginal discharge... Like you can catch an STD antidote, I guess, so to speak. Right. So in addition to catching STDs, she's also caught feelings. Yes. And, and so, so she is willing to, to give up her body to Jubei because knowing that it won't, won't kill yeah. him. Cause obviously like, first of all, she is sexually assaulted by Tasai. Okay. Correct. Step one She is then kidnapped by somebody else. Who right. They throw in a random three second screen where they, for lack of a better word, and I don't want to be too graphic, take a taste. Right. Uh, her mentor is turned into a living bomb. Right. Her, her boss is ultimately murdered in front of and her. someone who takes over his body but be- like betrays her so, also this, also under the pretext that she's kind of a virgin because of her poison bed right so she cannot ever get close to anyone because her entire right. life she's been told anyone who touches you in right. like kisses or a sex with you you will kill them right but in jubei's case she's not the d- disease she's the cure <laughs> I got I, and then that's a really good like hey baby I got a fever my, the prescription is you hey, 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 hey. but but Jubei is such a, like um it's such a like a nice guy I don't know if you know that he doesn't want to do it that way he's like mm-hmm. hey, if I'm gonna go you know I'm gonna go don't worry about it and that makes her like kind of like okay so I can finally it's like rogue I can finally have sex with someone and you're gonna say no <laughs> and that's kind of like the weird pull between these two characters is like. Will they, won't they? Will Jubei break his honor? Will she do him even though that's you know out of duty yep. or is it out of passion? So, yeah. Uh, so talk, talk to me through like one, what your favorite boss fight of the Kimon boss fights were. Oh. So what do we have? We have Tasai. We, we have, have Snake Lady. Snake Lady. We have, we have Beehive Blind Lady. Man. Beehive Lady. Beehive Guy. Uh, Shadow Guy. Gunpowder Lady, Genma, and a String Man. A lot of them were like, I think Tasai was like the best fight because later on, mm-hmm. yeah, they they like happened very quickly, like without giving anything yeah. away. String Man, he hasn't even beat him. Mm-hmm. String Man's beat by the woman who was jealous that he wanted to bang his male boss. Correct. Exactly. And so 
And also, I think if it, the snake lady doesn't really die by anybody's hands either. She just failed twice, so String Man kills her. So, right. um, I would say my favorite fight was Bee Man. I think that was a really cool one. Yeah, you know what? Yes, I, even though that back does give me the heebie-jeebies because, look, I'm speaking to all the people out there, and if we lose fans, I apologize for this. Yeah, if you're the type of person that likes to watch pimple popping and blackhead videos, gross. Seriously, okay, I, I know that's a thing it. right now. Gross, Seriously, because this man's back was like the biggest blackhead. Like it looked like the biggest blackhead <laughs> holes you've like ever seen. It was seriously. Oh, wow. And there's a real phobia for that. Like, uh, you know, f- fear of holes. It's like, I forget what it's called, but um, it's called trip tripophobia. And it's a real thing. Like people who don't like looking at lotus pods, mm-hmm. it, it looks like a lotus pod in this man's back. It is gross. And what I like about this, these fights is that you're right. Some of them are really quick, but also they're like the thinking man's idea. Like I'm going to beat the, the B man by going into the water and fighting underwater because the bees can't reach me underwater and therefore I'm going to kill him there and stuff like that. And so- Right, well, which is actually really cool because so B-Man is standing on a limb above the water mm-hmm. and uh, Jubei jumps out of the water, cuts off a leg and he falls down in the water and the bees that are still in the hive in his back start panicking and stinging like crazy and trying to get out of his body not just through the correct holes but in mm-hmm. any which direction mm-hmm. that they they like murder him mm-hmm. you know absolutely so yeah i guess i guess b-man was uh was by far the the coolest one mm-hmm. thing i really liked about all the fl- fights in mm-hmm. the fact that this was a movie and not a, a tv series is we didn't get whole episodes dedicated to the ramping to a fight yeah, I think that's also very true. Like, it's actually like Jubei is not necessarily OP either. So you can also be like, how is he going to get out of this kind of right. thing? Um, I really like it for that reason as well. And another thread that comes up is that Gemma and Jubei have the the lead boss character has a past with Jubei. Um, apparently, Gemma got the daimyo to believe that he was a traitor. And mm-hmm. that's why he's out of his his clan, essentially. Okay. Um, and so, but then he's like, "I'm gonna uh, that that can't be the guy can't isn't alive because I killed him." And you see a scene where he chops off the guy's head, so obviously the guy's dead. But we find out he's immortal later. Um, you know, pretty good, pretty good, uh, pretty good movie. Mm-hmm. So, um, before we go into our final ratings and stuff like that, I do want to tell you about the series that came out. Okay. Uh, it was about I would say you know. 13 uh, episodes. Wait, Kyle. What if I told you? Yeah. There was a live action remake of this. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Please. 13 episodes. Well, I wanted to play the part of, of uh, you know, Kevin and, and John, like for once, you know, just like, what? Hey, bro, bro, you kidding me? Oh, my God. That's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, the story is is still in feudal Japan, and I'm not, not going to spoil it. You don't really see too many of the former cast members, save for uh, Dakawan, but he is kind of doing a like escort mission throughout the entire uh, thing, and he has to kind of do the same thing over again, which is fight off warring clans and uh, and do like this this you know escort mission throughout the course of this season it wasn't as well received as the movie but um a lot of people still watch it and stuff like mm-hmm. that 
Um, I know you said you had a question for me as well about like how I found this and stuff like that. Is there any other? Is that right? Something? No, it, it was just that like, um, I mean, you sort of answered it at the top in that you came across this in a time when look like cable television, there's definitely a period even now, like everyone yeah. needs content, right? Like it's the battle for content uh, because people are taking their own ball. They're going home. Right. You can only afford to originally produce so many things, whether it be now with streamers or whether it be 30 years ago, with networks right. uh and so a lot of times what we know that like cartoon network would do is that's how they got anime is uh they mm -hmm. could buy the rights really cheap and so even if you're putting stu like golf club infomercials as the commercials in the middle mm -hmm. of them or whatever you're selling for super cheap uh you just needed something to, to fill the airwaves and i guess that's how you came across it on mtv yeah, and I think this is what's interesting about this time period, like the mid the mid nineties to late nineties, is this was the time when, like, this was the Gen X time. Grunge was still pretty popular. Mm -hmm. Things had to be edgy, and nothing captured the edgy, edge lord, you know, Gen X early millennial part like like the graphic anime. Mm -hmm. and ninja scroll hit that niche really good because it's hyper violent hyper realistic it's so japanese mm -hmm. like there's nothing about this that i feel was outside of its place and time it's also got like really heavy themes and also the fight scenes are really cool at a time when you weren't seeing a lot of that out of anime so what we're going to do uh is uh we're not going to ask if you'd watch it because you, you've watched it so it's pretty much that that's been answered to us is what mm -hmm. we're going to do is what was called the weep and noob score so the Weeb and Noob score doesn't mean the movie uh, was good or bad. It just essentially is our excitement for you, the fan at home listening, to watch it yourself. Um, and Garrett is going to speak to a, a new fan, someone who's never experienced Ninja Scroll before. Did this wet your whistle? Did it get you excited about the idea of anime, what it could be? Or was it really hard to get into? I'm speaking to a longtime fan's experience. Is this important to the overall digest of your of anime? And is this like... If you're going to be a weeb, this is what you got to watch. And that's what the score is reflecting. Um, so, Garrett, I'm going to start with you. What do you give Ninja Scroll, the movie specifically, for your noob score? 9.5. Yep. Yep. I can see how this is like the mother yeast <laughs> from which... This from is which... the sourdough culture that we have. Yeah, from which all other doughs have been uh, have been cultivated. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I also think for 93, the animation is not bad. Yeah, it's like, clearly dated, but if you had told me it was 2003, 10 years sooner, I would have believed you. Yeah. Also, I would say that, you know, when you see old anime, you can tell where they cut corners, like how they He-Man some things, where, like, the, the, the picture stays full, but the mouth goes like, Cogber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, you can tell where people cut corners. They did not cut corners on this. This was legit no. meant for to be a real movie. So just for the the budget for what it was on top of what it ended up being, yeah, I agree with you. I think this is a central watch. I'm not going to give it a 10, but much like Aaron, I'm going to give it a 9.5. A, because it is an influ it's an influential one. Like this, If there was a Criterion collection for anime, this has to be one of them. That, Fist of the North Star, Akira, um, any of the, you know... Um, studio ghibli films are the ones that like if you really want to like get it or like start from like an academic level of what anime is all about nature scroll just has to be one of those it just has yeah. to be and i will say that it's also like a good watch and it doesn't doesn't drag it's another thing that i have problems with some 
period pieces is that there's too much walking mm-hmm. and not enough doing and ninja scroll doesn't do that too much like there's not there's right. not too much walking and talking. Yeah. It gets to it really quickly. And to be fair, while we're giving it 9.5, this is not for everyone. I mean, some of the stuff was really graphic, in particular, the, the sexual stuff. It is brief. I mean, the movie is 91 minutes. Right. So in terms of like the sexually uh, graphic portions, you are literally talking 60 to 90 seconds of the entire movie. Uh, but it's enough. It's enough for us to to take note of it. Another thing to note about this movie is, although it's important, it's not available anywhere, unfortunately. Um, I had to go into the dark corners of the internet. I had to do my own shadow thing where I had to like dive into the shadow part of the of the web mm-hmm. and, and find it for us. But So was, like a week ago, were you like, oh man, this will be a great idea. And then you're like, oh no, now I have to find it. Yeah, seriously. I had that idea because I was like, we haven't done a movie um, in a while, and I haven't done like a classic like this in a while too. Like usually I do tsunami staples, but this one I said to myself like, if fifth and the fifth and north star is like essential, what's another essential one? And that's this mm-hmm. this in Akira. I would I would put like it goes fifth of the north star definitely just to know where that started. Then it goes Akira Ninja Scroll, and we kind of branch off from there because mm-hmm. Akira gets you to the sci fi stuff, and um, and uh, and. And Ninja Scroll gets you to all the Edo period piece samurai stuff. So sure. definitely, definitely worth it. I would say at the very least, this is one of those things if you want to impress people to put on your bookshelf to get by this DVD, because it can't be that expensive. Like, I mean, honestly, it's probably like $10 somewhere. You could probably find it for that. And just to keep it there and be like, what's Ninja Scroll? And it gives you that opportunity to go, well, actually, if you really think about it, this is one of the most essential things. Like, yeah, definitely. Definitely one of those kind of movies to have in your bookshelf. Uh, so as we close for the night and we just try to finish our mission for 300 gold pieces, it is always important to hear your thoughts. Is Ninja Scroll the type of essential watching that everybody should watch, we do it or otherwise? Uh, do you like it for violence and its purities and action, its drama? Or do you think it was too dated, too out of touch, a little too gory, too graphic for you? Let us know in the comments below because we really want to keep the conversation going, especially for such an influential piece such as Ninja Scroll. To follow us on all our on all our social media, including on Twitter at WeWonderSureNews or on Instagram at Wama Podcast. You can also follow us on our host site anchor.fm slash Wama Podcast or wherever your podcast is found. But make sure when you do, Garrett, you want them to do what? We want you to please give us a five-star review because we need to shoot up them charts. Yes, we want to throw, I want you to throw three bajillion ninja stars at those five-star ratings and, <laughs> and, and have it stick to the tree, I promise. Um, so before we close the night and we try to end our, our, our discussion of such a beloved classic here, what are your final thoughts on Ninja Scroll? Remember, a snake between the legs is always going to bite you. <laughs> so we are going to be battling Kessai. We're going to be uh, trying to get the poison out of our body. We're going to be wandering the Edo Japan with our lone sword. All in all, to wish you all fantastic. See you in two weeks. Ninja! <laughs> I can't be cut!
So it seems. <laughs> Your skin appears to be falling apart. <laughs> <laughs>